You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith and this is my conversation with Clint Goff, who is a member of a band from Brisbane called Like Thieves. The reason for the conversation is to promote the band's brand new single called Never See It Coming. Let's have a listen to what Clint has to say. Here we go. Welcome to the show. Never See It Coming is the name of the band's brand new single. Is the track indicative of the material that fans can expect from a new LP or EP? Um, it's interesting you say that because it's very different to what we expected to put out. Um, it's, we got quite a few songs in the arsenal and there's a mixture of something that's heavier than we've ever done before um, to more proggy stuff to something that might be a little bit... Um, bit rockier than we've done so maybe yes and it's probably a middle ground um from what we've got coming up yeah it's definitely a heavier direction compared to previous releases so have you been getting feedback from fans and listeners that they're surprised or are they even happy about the direction because to be honest with you mate i think it's a it's a great direction that you guys have decided to go in okay yeah no i think it's it's been a a lot more positive than I expected. I wasn't sure what to expect. Um, when we are going through the production of the song, I, I'm being completely honest, I wasn't the hugest fan of it. Um, but as we got through and recorded it and um, the producer got his hands on it, um, it kind of just came into itself and, and I sort of started liking it. And then when we made a music video, I was pretty inspired by it too. Um, but yeah, it seems to be really well received and it's, Although it's heavy, it still Bogues managed to put a hook on it. Um, mm, agreed. Yeah. And yeah, so in, embracing the eight string guitars um, that Odin uses, it sort of lends itself just naturally to being quite heavy. But um, um, but yeah, no, the, the feedback's been really positive. Um, so and like I said, there's some heavier stuff to come as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing what everyone thinks of that. Mm, cool. You know, the other thing, it was it was really nice to see so many familiar landmarks, uh, being a local, Brisbane local, in the video to the track. I mean, I'm so used to seeing pictures of New York, even Melbourne, wherever it might be. So it was really nice to see Brisbane in the, uh, you know, the, the, the travelator there or the escalator there up to Ann Street or mm. Central Station, yeah. as it's known these days. So was there a theme or a concept for the video? Um, yeah, definitely. Like the... The whole thing is, and hopefully it, it's that when I first heard the song, I got the feeling and, and obviously seeing the lyrics that Bogue typed up for me, you know, that just my interpretation was that, you know, it's about a bit of a struggle, um, be it in your head or whatever. Um, and that's the best thing about the way that Clint writes his lyrics is that, you know, you can relate to it um, on many levels, depending who you are, where you're from. Etc. Um, which is probably why he's been so successful for his career. But um, what I took away from the song was, that, you know, that struggle, and that's what I tried to put into the music video. That's a guy that's walking through a um, to the empty street and struggling with his own head, uh, mm. what's going on inside his own head. Um, and as far as Brisbane goes, you know, I work in film, and I'm always filming through Brisbane, and it's such a film-friendly city. I did choose those locations so they weren't too Brisbaneized, um, unless you really were from Brisbane. I think if you're on the other side of the planet, you might see that and think it could be anywhere. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah, it's a simple journey for him, like um, 
sprinting away from something. You're not sure what it is, but really at the end, he's just fighting the own demons in his head. And um, I did it on, I shot it on Easter Sunday intentionally to give that feeling that he's all alone because okay. it was pretty well empty. So I scheduled it to shoot then, hoping we wouldn't pick up too many people in the background, um, which I think there's only a couple um, on the escalator, which yep. kind of added to it. Um, so yeah, the feeling of being alone and being a bit isolated, and that's why I picked that sort of part of town as well. And yeah, well, the comparison that I draw was entirely unintentional from from your perspective, I'm sure. But it reminded me of one of those bloody long walks, and I'm sure you've done as well, where you walk from either the elephant wheelbarrow or the elephant, as it's known as these days, to the Vic late at night when one's closed and one's still open, hoping you can grab a drink before closing time. So yeah, <laughs> I'm sure I've it done was that plenty of times. Yeah. <laughs> and I had a few fights with themes in my head when I was doing that too. Um, yeah, cool. But yeah, no, definitely. And and I think that walk it could be anything that he's going, he's catching a train, or he's going to just meet friends or something. He's um, fighting that that having that internal struggle. Because normally, when people that have some sort of illness, it's when they're alone. Um, hmm. the, the, the fight's really there. So. Oh well, either way, thank you for representing our fair city. It's not often that you see yeah. it. Yeah, B&E, represent. Absolutely. So you're a creative fella. You're obviously looking after the production side of things for uh, visuals and video. So the creative process, how do you all write material? Mm, it's interesting. Owen's quite um, quite prolific. He seems to just churn them out. Um, usually Owen will come up with a riff um, and he'll map most of it out uh, at home on his computer with some program drums. Um, we're kind of embracing technology. Dan's just got himself a set of electronic drums, um, a really good set actually. So Odin will send it over with an idea. Dan will put his down and then we sort of go from there, which is very different to how the band started um, many years ago. It might be close to 10 years ago that we were first jamming, where it was very, very organic. Um, so, yeah, the creative process would be mostly Odin, writing the songs, um, coming through to us, and then we get to put our bit of flair on it. Like a, I think a good example might be like The Walls at Winter's Edge off the first EP. Most of that was written, but there was just a bit of movement missing there. And then um, Dan and I, especially in the real proggy um, middle bit, um, the bridge there, Dan and I really, that's one of my favourite parts to play um, live or in the studio when we did it. And that was Dan and I just coming in and it really feels, you can see everyone move when we're playing that live. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a bit of collaboration then. Um, generally, we'll do that. Um, um, Bogue will just literally sing into his phone or his iPad and put a scratch track down. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, we sort of just go in and do it. Um, we're definitely going to bring on a producer for the next lot of music. Um, yeah, last... Um, of two EPs were um, mostly produced by us with a little bit of like in-studio feedback from Bernie. But um, this time I think the, the process, we're going to really embrace the producer because working with um, Mick Gordon on this one, mm -hmm. um, he really, like I wouldn't say saved the song, but he took it just up to that next level. Yeah, he enhanced it, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like he sort of, shuffled a few things around and he sent us an edit back and we're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Let's go. Um, so, yeah, so he's really cool and he's, it, it, we're 
pretty in- I haven't met him yet, but um, pretty interesting background. So maybe he might be um, interested. We never know. Okay, sweet. Yeah. So you are bringing the music to the people because you've got a tour uh, across the land. Uh, I think you're going to some regional locations as well as major cities, but it's through May and June. So what sort of show are you bringing on the road? Yeah, interesting question. Well, this I guess this is um, our first actual tour, be it a very small one for us um, with Dan back. Um, so um, it's sort of testing the waters for everyone, including us. Um, so basically, just we're definitely bringing up our, um, the energetic performance we got. We're definitely going to be playing Never See It Coming. We'll see if we can slip something else in there as well. Um, and we're bringing um, Khan on tour with us as well, who are um, a little bit different, but um, seem to... Um, everything we've heard sounds really cool as well, so looking forward to seeing them live. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that, by the way, bringing out a band. I haven't heard Khan's music, but just from your comments there, they're a different type of band. I think it's so important that you offer the audience some different sounds and some diversity in musicality to keep them engaged and interested through a what can often be, especially when you're touring, say a three-hour set, three-hour you know set of bands playing one after the other and mm. sort of encourages engagement rather than punters sitting at the back of the room grabbing beer and getting half-cut before the headliner goes on stage. Yeah, well, that, that's exactly right. And I think we blur a few lines um, of genre. Like, I, I know we really fit in. Um, you know, some songs that are ones that are coming up, you might even think of gents. Then we've got prog songs and then we've got rock songs. So I think it's mm. important that we do have a bit of a mix of who is um, coming along on tour with us, for sure. Yep. So you mentioned the other Clint a few times. So that's obviously Clint Berg from The Butterfly Effect. So... They've, re- they've reactivated. So how are you scheduling things in between his role in that band and what he does for you guys? Well, it's, it's reasonably easy. Um, you know, things are a bit different to the first few years that we were together. You know, we're all, um, you know, Clint left the butterfly effect and joined us um, within weeks, it felt like. And, you know, mm. before, and at the time we were rehearsing next to the butterfly effect, which is an interesting dynamic to see him passing them in the hall and jamming with us next door, but um, that's another story. But um, that that was easy then because that was all we did, but um, things are different. Like my career's pretty, very busy. Odin's got a child now. So mm. we're not taking as, we're taking it very seriously and putting everything into the music, but we're taking a bit of a different approach. It's like we're doing it for the right reasons. So we're, we're just making it work. Um, the good thing about the butterfly effect is that, you know, they're not the the band that has to rehearse and, and tour every second week. Um, and when we do it, it's, it's well in advance. We'll be planned if there's a tour or something like that. And we'll know that, hey, let's scratch that six weeks off like we recently did. Um, so there's plenty plenty of time in advance to schedule for things. Yeah, okay. Now, interest from offshore. I imagine you guys would get quite a big a bit of a pop if you guys were managed to tour North America in particular could be wrong there but that's where I'm getting a sense that you guys could have a rather a large following and access that commercial bonanza that, that is the North American market so do you get a lot of feedback from over there yeah it's um it's surprising that we haven't really done much um for the last few years but it seems like Internationally, we've grown, um, getting a lot more feedback on our, like all our social media channels from um, places all around the world, and um, you know, of course, those markets. Um, we're even we're interested in um, the Asian market as well. I was up in China last year meeting with some people. Okay. So, yes. Um, 
Yeah, we're in the middle of looking at a few things for overseas, but very, very, very early stages. Um, but yeah, like like I was saying, like the definitely would love to capitalise on on those other markets and trying to make something. Um, we wish Australia could sustain it. Unfortunately, um, it's such a small market, and um, you know, and for a lot of it's very hard for any band, even some of the biggest Australian pop artists, that to really get by. So. And make it their living. I oh, look, even Tina Arena had to go offshore to, I mean, as big as she was through her entire life, you know, I really respect her. She went over to France or Europe and has got a, a wonderful yeah. audience over there. It's just got to be done, hasn't it? I mean, we simply don't yeah. have the population to sustain, to your point, basically anybody. Yeah. Well, let's face it, in America, you like, you play a show in one city, you drive one hour and park, and then the next night you play in that city, and you, you could literally loop. American non-stop and just keep playing. Uh, you know, in Australia, we're sort of restricted just simply due to population um, to smaller tours um, like like we're about to do in May and June. So, Well, there's less people here than there are, I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying this, than there are in New York City, to give you an idea yes, and to put it in the context. Right. But you said something yeah. you said something there that I've spoken, I'll believe me, a lot. I've done well over 200 interviews at this point and, and a fraction of them have been with Australian bands and I'm starting to interview Australian bands a lot more, but my wife's half Filipino, so we spent quite a lot of time in the Philippines and indeed throughout Asia. Now, I'm, I think that Asia represents a wonderful opportunity for Australian artists. Now, my opinion is not informed. It's just my intuition and just my opinion based on discussions that I have with people over there. I had a conversation with, I can't, God, I've done so many interviews this last two weeks, but there was a, there was a death metal, black metal band from the States called Angel Corpse, and they were touring the island of Cebu when I was over there in the Philippines. Now, yeah. There is a big opportunity for Australian bands. Now, the reason I mentioned Angel Corpse is they're about as inaccessible as any band you could probably imagine, yet they were touring Asia. They were, they were, they were on a big Asian yeah. tour through Thailand, Indo, Philippines and the like. Asia seems to be one of those regions that Australian bands don't focus on. So I'll ask for your opinion on why you think that might be, just be, for the sake of the conversation I'm asking the question and, yeah. and what, what plans you guys have got, because I'm really pleased to see that you've actually identified that as an opportunity. Well, from the word go, we were interested. Um, you know, Clint left Butters and joined us, and you know, it's a bit of a once in a lifetime opportunity to have someone like him come and join your band that was nothing. And we're like, let's do this. And so immediately we started looking into things like Asia. Um, found a booking agent, booked a tour in in China um, off the back of um, the Walls of Winter's Edge. And it was like three festivals and a few club shows. It was enough to pay for everything. And then about a week before we went to go, we got burned. And um, it cost us about $12,000. And we took a long time for us to pay it back um, to, uh, to the band. Mm-hmm. And it was simply a language barrier. Um, and like it, it caused a little bit of strain on the band, but we just sucked it up and kept going. But... You know that was one thing, and I think that's that, that's something that a lot of bands are going to struggle with as well. Is that um, the full? There's a big process to get into somewhere like China, um, as far as you know, translating all your lyrics to get government approval, and then you got the language barrier of yeah, having and 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 cultural barrier, and um, so that was it. But it didn't stop us, and I, I was up there. I got a film project in China, and um, I was up there in November, and just investigating all that and just saw 
how amazing that it, that country could be and how much they love all music. Yes. Um, yep. and, um, 1.4 billion people are there. So, you know, it's a pretty huge market. And, um, and the, um, where was I going with that? Um, oh, yeah, when I was up there, I just saw how much they love music um, and all the opportunities. And so basically something we're trying to do is we're going to go up there and um, I met, managed to meet some people um, that were Westerners that speak um, Mandarin who are um, pretty keen on taking us up there and seeing what we can do through there. Um, so, yeah, I think the, the difficulties are, it seems like a really big thing. Um, the cultural um, differences are really hard to get your head around it, but once you understand it, I think you can play to your advantage. Hmm. Um, and also... Yeah, it's Hollywood dreams, I guess. You know, America's the big dream, um, and you know it was the superpower, and and in not in politics, but just for music and all that. And, um, but you know, times are changing, and, and a lot of bands don't really realise that you know, it, that's you know, sort of like an old way of thinking when the future is really Great. coming through Asia. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's like the algorithms, algorithm is shifting from, you know, the big dream is to go to North America or Europe and Asia's on our doorstep. And you made a really good point about 1.4 billion people there. It's astronomical numbers in terms of just the population alone. And even if you take half of half a percent of that, whatever that might be in terms of numbers, and mm. they are like engaged music fans. And then you go and divide that down again and say half of them are interested in rock music. You're still talking mm. about well over a million people. You know, yeah. it's just, I've spoken to a few bands that have done the bigger places, but it's it's always been a bit of a showcase event or part of a, um, like an economic thing. Like they're not being there for the music. They've been there because they've been working with Salesforce. You know, the um, Salesforce is, a, is an application that a lot of businesses use to uh, monitor, yeah. uh, monitor things. I'll just say that. So, you know. But the music, the market is definitely opening up. So it's so encouraging to hear that an Australian band and a band from Brisbane indeed has actually seen that. And, you know, you might have been burnt, but, you know, you're still willing to do it. You're still willing to go there and yeah. recognise the opportunity. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, and just playing to, like, I, I've made a music video for a Chinese band as well. And, like, they're just, the fans over there are just phenomenal as well. They're so dedicated. Yeah, they're fantastic, um, not, yeah. Not, not, not saying, not saying we, we got amazing fans. Um, but, yeah, just, it, it, it's a whole other level over there, and it might just be the the simple uh, numbers. But you know, you, you see some of the things, and some bands that are blowing up over there, and how crazy they are about them. And yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome to see. So it'd be silly not to, like I said, it's on our doorstep. It's a nine-hour flight, um, and once you get through all the red tape with government, mm. pretty, it, and once you once you're on the ground there, I don't know if you've been to China, but once you're on the ground there, it's um. It's a very, very, very livable place and very easy to get around, even though the mass population, it's, yeah, it's awesome. It's, I think it's about the only place in Asia that I haven't been to, but um, I'll get there eventually, I think. And I'd love to get yeah. there in a, in a musical capacity. I'd love to, with my podcast series, I'd love to get onto their version of uh, Sirius Satellite Radio. Um, yeah. You know, there's just so much opportunity there for Australian artists and, and they are keen to work with Australians because they understand we have a very good kinship because there are a lot of Chinese students in Australia these mm. days. And there's just a lot of these, these Chinese students, they, they come here, they get educated, go back, and they've got a strong affinity with the country. 
So yeah. it's just a case of the bold and the brave like you guys going forth. And, yeah, you're going to get burnt along the way to your point, and that's, mm. that's some money to lose. But, look, you learned a lot from it, and the chances of you, you, you learning from that and being able to, um, you know, if you want me to put it in a commercial sense, you might have lost 12 grand, but think of all the money you can potentially make now that you've got uh -huh. all of that experience. Yeah, yeah, that's it. We could, you know, best case scenario, you could till there once a year and come home and live a very, very, very comfortable life. Um, yeah, and, and also about um, China specifically, you know, that they've been closed off for a long time. Um, the new the new president, who's been in for a little while, but he's really making some serious change. He wants to open China up to the world and make it, there's a policy called One Belt, One Road, Um which is kind of like um, their way of saying connecting the world, like when China, the Silk Road, when China was a massive trade route through the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. That's what they're trying to do. So, all the, we met, we went to a couple of film schools and music schools over there, and all the young generation are super hungry just to get a taste of the Western world. Um, and and the generation that but the generation X right they're coming through they're actually really starting to encourage that as well and it's really coming through so now is the time to do it as well um, over the next few years they're really opening up and now's the time for bands to start thinking about heading over there mm. indeed okay good on you mate um, tell us how can listeners get in touch with you and how can they get in touch with your wonderful music in terms of listening to it streaming services that sort of thing. I'm pretty sure we're everywhere, Spotify, Apple Music, um, SoundCloud, YouTube. Um, we've just pushed it to get it everywhere. We want everyone to hear it. Okay. Um, yeah. All right, mate. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that was my conversation with a fella called Clint Goff, who was a member of a band from Brisbane called Like Thieves. Really appreciate you listening.